Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Once again, I am Bradley and, well, he's learned himself a bit of a lesson this week. He's found out that if you don't take Urban Legend seriously, someone always, always gets hurt. As he found out when he done the curse of Cella V. He put a camera into a room, he played the song Cella V. And from nowhere appeared the cast of Bewitched as they started to sing along. It happens every single time. Stu, how do you feel about yourself right now? Well, kind of terrified and like I'm stuck in some sort of a time loop caused by Bewitched. So, yeah, maybe a bit yes, of context definitely some on context. that um, So, essentially, I was watching Gogglebox with Lorraine on Friday. And when they was watching something, it was a celebrity karaoke thing or whatever, and they started having uh, singing Celevi on this karaoke, and Bewitched came out of nowhere, started dancing and singing along. Now I've only ever seen Celevi played in like a kind of that kind of way before once, and that was on the Sooty Show. <laughs> um, they was putting on a party for kids. And the new host of it decided his favourite song is Celevi, so they started singing Celevi, and out of nowhere, Bewitched appeared and started singing and dancing <laughs> along. So I'm now assuming that every time you've got a TV camera and you play Celevi, they will appear. Ah, yeah. God, that's a terrifying thought. Coming from the, the about 20 years in the past or however long it is. But to be fair, to be fair to them, it is an all-time classic. Okay, so you go from... Beethoven's Seventh Symphony to Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody to Bewitched Cell of E. That's all you need to know about music. Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah, there's nobody better out there. Yeah. No, no. Do they... You know what else is... Oh, I was just going to say, so do, they, do they still look the same? They do, actually, yes. Which is... They, they, they do look slightly older, but not 20 years older. Oh, that's weird. No, not the cause. Oh, very good, very good. Oh Mixing yeah. My... Oh yeah. We didn't even we didn't even practice <laughs> that one. That that just that was natural. Fantastic. Oh yeah, I'm happy with that. We could that's it. The show's done now. Thank you, everyone. See you later. I'll, I'll cut in the outro music now. <laughs> <laughs> we we're never topping that. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so um, to segue, bad guy back a, a little bit. Um, do you know what else is bewitching? No. Video games true what else have you played not what else we don't even know what you played to start with what have you been playing <laughs> well to start with <laughs> i've been playing a game called cloud cutter which is a vertical scrolling shoot em up uh with a kind of i don't know really kind of old-fashioned twist it's kind of got some modern elements and a bit old-fashioned it's a very strange one so basically like you're flying along it's an auto scroller as you know vertical shooters are and it's kind of got a bit of a river raid feel to it, which is reaching back into the very dim and distant past. Uh, you've got auto fire on all the time, which is a bit like uh, a little bit like Afterburner, particularly the home consoles. So you're flying a jet, and you've got to blow up enemies and enemy installations. And yeah, it's kind of like it, it's it's a bit. It has more of that feel of like of River Raid and of Desert Strike. And games like that, rather than it does anything like, you know, Raiden or, you know, even the more modern uh, mm. vertical shooters. Um, it seems to have a kind of 
it seems to be going for like, ah, oh, right, okay, it's a bit more tactical, you know, because you blow up like fuel installations and that has a cumulative effect because it blows up all the stuff and you get scores and you get, uh, what's it called, like multipliers and stuff like yeah. that. And I think, not looked at it deeply, but I think that increases the prevalence of like power-ups and uh, health upgrades because like you've got a health bar, which is unusual for a shooter as well. And it, you've just got one life. If that's gone, it's gone. And pickups are, are quite rare. So I think getting a good multiplier is important. So it's kind of like, yeah, make sure you're shooting all the right stuff. Uh, yeah, so that's it so far with that game. So it's a little unusual, bit of a throwback. But yeah, it's okay. No, fair enough. It's, I mean, it's very hard. To, I think we might get you one day to do a ranking of um, the, the, uh, the, the uh, STGs. Uh, yes, nice. Uh, horrible. Um, chlamydia's at the bottom. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll get you through a ranking of shmups, but um, you know, if we look at stuff like um, the Rydens and the R types being sort of like up there, where where would this sort of come in there that from your experience? Because it seems it's not a, it doesn't sound like it's a remake of an old classic it seems like it's a new game and a new ip and everything so yeah yeah it's really unusual in that fact because it's kind of that the whole thing at the moment of course is for everything to look retro and pixelated and you yeah. know either 16-bit or you know, more often 8-bit and it doesn't look like that at all it's you know it's got modern graphics and it's comparatively small team so it doesn't look like you know a triple a thing by any stretch of the imagination but the design is pretty good um visually it's just quite pleasing. But um, where does it rank? Uh, it's really strange because it pulls back all these old things that haven't been used for such a long time. It really does feel like going back to, you know, the the mid-80s, maybe even the early 80s in terms of the way it plays. So, I don't know. I think I need more time with it. At the moment, I'd say it's, it's sort of mid-ranked. It doesn't do anything particularly wrong, but it hasn't done anything scintillating. And I think... The main reason it's not doing anything scintillating is because, you know, shooters live or die on a, on a handful of things, but one of the top things is weapon progression. And I haven't got anything yet that's kind of made me go, yes, yeah, I feel like I'm finally kicking that booty, you know, properly. So, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But it's, it's all right so far. So, so for those games, you wouldn't go oh i really want to play that i'm gonna go and sink it out in my library but if you was decided to play a random game one day and you happened upon that one as your random choice you wouldn't be going oh no yeah you'd be quite happy to play it if there was like just on a on a whim yeah yeah exactly i think it's one of those that feels at the moment as if it needed to have taken more risks it feels like it's a little bit safe it hasn't introduced anything that's you know disruptive in a good way um, and it's got one major drawback that I really, really don't like. It's got a weird kind of acceleration lag kind of thing. It's deliberate. Mm. It's programming. When you when you move left or right, it starts off slow and then increases in speed. So obviously you used to shoot as being like an instant response, you know, yeah. against the laws of physics. <laughs> but this seems to have more of a laws of physics-y thing where, you, you know, you do... Uh, you do have a little bit of uh, a little bit of lag between the input and the action, and it's as I say programmed in. Which I don't know. I I don't know whether that's going to work longer term, but we'll see. I, I'm going to continue playing it and just see what I think. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's good that they've, they've, they've not just gone for, um, let's just copy this game that we liked. It looks like they've tried to do, or sounds like they tried to do their own thing, which is good. But yeah, acceleration in shoot 'em up, ship movement. Ugh. Yeah. Doesn't. Yeah. It's a bit funny. I mean, Desert Strike is a good comparison. Not that it controls the same, because it totally doesn't. It's a helicopter versus a plane. But that has that kind of, you know, you've got a factor inertia into it and things like that. But, the, but that, whole, that's designed around that, isn't just, it? And it's the angles and everything. That's yeah. it. I was going to use the exact same phrase. It has it all built into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all designed around that. Whereas, you know, this isn't necessarily like that. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, it definitely intrigued me enough to keep, keep playing. And I want to kind of complete a couple more levels of it so yeah excellent excellent i mean they're, they're games that are right in your your wheelhouse yeah. um you do like yourself for shoot 'em up as much as i like indies um yeah. so you'll have no surprise whatsoever that the first game i've been playing this week or over the past couple of weeks actually is an indie um and that's man eater um, uh-huh. uh, um now I never played this first time. I've been waiting to get the Switch version for a while. Um, and I've kind of given up that I was going to get code for it. And thought, oh, you know, I'll buy it at some point now. Uh, wait for a sale. But then I got code. I was like, oh, sweet. Okay, give this a go. And all I can really say about Man Eater is it's just big, stupid, dumb fun. And yeah, it's, it's there's something really satisfying about being a shark and doing damage to things and killing the human race um, um, as they try to enjoy things. And what I really like about this, it obviously comes off the back of the low random style games that you had with like Goat Simulator, Surgeon Simulator, I Am Bread and Bee Simulator and all things like that that have done the rounds. Mm -hmm. But what I like about this is it feels like a game it doesn't feel like a happy accident. Um, so there's it, got a lot more structure to it, which is which is something that I really like. So you've got a set of tasks as you go. Um, you complete those tasks and it kind of drives you to another area. You, you, you get stronger so you could like take down uh, bigger and better, um, let's say foes, because they're not enemies as such. Take down bigger and better foes. Um, and you are being hunted, which I like. There's there's a story element to it, but it's just it's nonsensical, um, which fits in. <laughs> and um, what what really got me, I, I expected I'd play it for an hour, and then I'd be like, okay, yeah, I've got this now, and that's the game. But there's a lot more variety than I was really expecting from this. Um, the tasks are all there. And you know, we spoke last week about Destroy All Humans and how I felt that just needed to be a sandbox with various tasks with you know don't really worry about the story too much and just let me go high score chasing and stuff like that yeah well that's what man eater does it's kind of got that just dive in play an hour switch off your brain eat things get a score move on and yeah it just doesn't outstay its welcome doesn't go too random or too zany and crazy that you just like you, you know Goat Simulator just got stupid in the end and where it went, and it kind of lost its initial charm when it was just a one-off. This, I think, doesn't outstay its welcome at all. It's fun to the very end. 
Um, it's not overly long, um, and it's a game where I don't. I'm not going to go back to it now, but I think in a couple of years. If my kids go, oh, Dad, what's this? I'll go, oh, it's Manny. I've got a little stick it on and have a go and have some fun with it. Um, yeah, really, really interesting game. And I, it's back to the idea of games just being fun for the sake of being fun. And I like it. That is cool. Yeah, it sounds like completely different in in execution to that fight crab that I played and reviewed. Yeah. Which was, yeah, that was kind of just like, that was all gimmick and you got sick of it within about five minutes because it was just, ugh, you know, yeah. yeah, controlled badly, graphics weren't great, you know, the the whole kind of premise of it was funny for about 30 seconds, you know. So, yeah, no, it sounds like it's gone the opposite way and actually made a, a decent, a half-decent at least game out of the premise. Yeah, you soon forget about the gimmick. and that's, that's what I liked about it. It's still, you know, if you go into this as a game, you will find lots of fault with it. So the gimmick helps it, but you soon forget that the gimmick is, like I say, unlike other games where you go, oh, this is the gimmick and it's that all the way through. You kind of look more to the game element, whereas I think if you'd have gone into this with like a serious structure uh, and things like that, you'd find a lot more fault with it. But you kind of forgive a lot of the, the quirks and things like that because it is a gimmick game, but it's not the main thing. Um, so yeah, fair play to developers there. Really good fun game. Cool. Good stuff. So what else have you got your teeth around? <laughs> oh, Segway game is on point this week. I've been playing a game called Void Run, which came to me in a very strange way. Well, by my standards, not by regular human being standards. But um, yeah. You bought it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, instead of stealing it. No, I, mean, I saw it and I bought yeah, it. You know. Yeah, that is a very <laughs> odd one. I normally wait till it's like a tenth of the price of what it was originally. But no, um, what happened was I just saw it on a promoted tweet, which, yeah, I never normally follow that stuff. A, I never go on Twitter normally, apart from like the odd time when I'm really bored or when I'm promoting the channel. Um, yes. But I was on there and yeah, it was just like video games, like really broad <laughs> type of uh, Twitter category. And it just had this short video of the game running. And I was like, that looks really good. So uh, I checked it out on Steam and it was like three quid. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I'm getting that. And what it is, it's kind of like a mix of a kind of blend of kicks and defender. So you're a little spaceship. It's like a top-down view. Uh, it's a wraparound, like on a planet. So, so I suppose Super Stardust would be a better comparison than, yeah, yeah, than yeah. Defender. Yeah, and you're kind of like flying around the surface and you've got to blow up enemies. But you do it in the same way as similar way as kicks in that you drop bombs in a line or a you know into a circle and entrap the enemy and then they blow up um but you have to complete the circle before it explodes um so it's yeah it's just it's it's a really really simple concept but works really really well so you just zip around and then you know you, you can improve all of the like you have a randomized set of uh, buffs at the beginning, like because you can pick, you have to pick your bombs back up after you've dropped them, whether they explode or they don't, uh, and you can get like uh, like a, a wider field for absorbing the the bombs back, so you can be further away from them to grab them back up, and you know things like that, and extra bombs and stuff like that, and the more bombs, the better because 
the the enemies are really really aggressive and they can switch direction really really quickly so it's bloody hard because you know you, you've got this you got to make a really tiny circle around these you know vicious enemies that are often spitting bullets at you as well as trying to hit you physically uh, but it's just really good it's it's dead hard really absorbing um and it's kind of a little gem really yeah that sounds really interesting you, you sold me at kicks yeah um yeah. in all fairness all um, i want to see more games with that mechanic yeah i love that mechanic yeah um but yeah that sounds really interesting it, it, the way you describe it it sounds a little bit like um the like the round the planet levels that you got in the uh the third geometry wars um, right yeah but built completely around that rather than just being a level. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for that. Something that takes a, like, when it's a high... I take it's a high-score type game. Well, it, one of the best things that seems to be about it is that it's got three modes. And I've been playing classic mode, which is you've got to beat four planets and you've won. But there's... So, just to, to interrupt, it really sounded like you was writing the back of a cassette tape box for an old Spectrum game then. It's got three modes! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when that used to be a really big thing, but because yeah, but yeah. the big like yellow star explosion around it, three modes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're back to them. Go on, carry on. But I should, I should, I shouldn't. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no, we're back to them days again. Uh, yeah, no, it's got so a classic mode where you've got to defeat four. Well, well, you know, not defeat four planets, but you compete on four planets and got to win those, and then that's the game done. There's a, a arcade mode. Uh, which I think is just continuous and high score. And there's an adventure mode, but I've not delved into that one. So it's got like three different ways to play as well. So, which is good because it's, you know, it's a pretty simple game. And and I'm pretty much assuming that the the different modes are kind of like on the, you know, the VCS where you just switched a button and they were very, very slightly different. But yeah, no, the core of the game is really good. Uh, It is more, much more like a puzzle game than it is, uh, a shooter because it doesn't really feel like a shooter when you're playing but the aesthetic's good i mean if you if you're off that whole retro pixel sort of aesthetic you won't like it because it's very very 8-bit it's monochrome but yeah I, I really enjoy it and uh it's one i'd definitely recommend people pick up for you know for that price as well for around three quid definitely go for it Oh, see, the more you describe that then, do you know that gif of Vince McMahon getting more and more excited? <laughs> yeah. that, 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 that's what I was doing, is the more you describe that, it went to like, oh my God, yeah, I, I'm sold. I'll have to give that one a go. What's it called? Void Run? Yep, Void Run, all one word. And I'll just check my notes now to see whether it is still, on, notes. <laughs> still on sale. And the notes... Yeah. Right, so yeah, the it is still as we speak uh, on sale for three pounds and nine English pence. So, uh, yeah, nine English pence on top. Yeah. Ah well, I, I suppose it's worth the push. <laughs> it, the offer ends on uh, the nineteenth of July, or as everyone calls it, Freedom Day. <laughs> yeah. So spend Freedom Day inside playing Void Run for three pound nine p. Yes. <laughs> yes, please do. Don't go to Primark. No. Don't, yeah, just... <laughs> I need something to cleanse the planet now. I need something to cleanse the planet. Uh, planet? No, I'm not cleansing. No, that's... Please, that's, please don't um, do that. that. That's very right-wing of me, that one. Yeah. We're going to cleanse the planet. 
but anyway, the Tories are um, doing a good enough job of that as it is. So yeah, cleanse the palate. That's better. Uh, just a point of note. As a complete aside, you're mentioning good games on Steam that come out of nowhere. A game that I've really liked, uh, but I found this because of the wonderful mix of Lumia, is a game called Ecstasy, which is a Tetris cross Lumines style puzzle game. It's on Steam. It's quite cheap. It's on itch.io. It's quite cheap on there. Buy it on itch.io, by the way. Developers get a bigger cut. Just point that out. They get a bigger cut. So if you've got the money, get it on both. Get it on both. If you've bought any of the bundles, you've probably got it in a bundle as well. But there you go. Uh, but the game's called Ecstasy. Uh, as I described it, it's coming to Switch. Don't know when, but it's coming to Switch. Get it again. Um, it's going to be one of those puzzle games that I own across multiple platforms by su- at some point. Yeah. Uh, but that's not the game I want to talk about. That's good because you have... That's the third time you've said about Ecstasy now. So I think people it's have really got good. it. Yeah, it's really good. I'll <laughs> talk about it again, trust me. Fair play. Um, and Mixalumia. Any chance I've got to talk about some of these games, um, I definitely will. Um, Go for it. But a, a game that's a bit like that, it's nothing like it at all. Um, it's probably the closest I get to enjoying a AAA title, but I, I, I think this comes under the mid-tier or double-A. Um, I've been playing A Plague Tale Innocence. Ah. Um, but unlike you normal human folk, I've not been playing it on solid ground i've been playing it in the cloud ah uh, and that is because a plague tale innocence recently released on the nintendo switch as a cloud version because the switch can't run it natively uh, now we'll come to my thoughts on cloud games with this in a second um most people know what plague tale the plague tale game is they know there's a sequel coming um, which is i think plague tale requiem and it's got rats lots and lots and lots and lots of rats because that's a mechanic now uh, but it does it, it's scary it looks good and what i've what i really liked about it, it's my first time really in with it um it's got a really interesting story um and tells a story that again i don't think it's one of those that would carry over to a film particularly well or anything like that but because of the involvement of a game it works really well um, you've got these two characters, um, Amika and her little brother Hugo. And um, the story's told through their relationships and their progress through 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 the world they're in. Um, and one of the things that really got to me was the characterization of these two. You felt a genuine sense of love for each for, for each other and that Amika really wanted to protect her little brother and things like that. And that really, really did shine through in this game. Uh, but it really did surprise me. And then you've kind of got this, this the overall thing. I suppose it's like a survival horror RPG story-driven type game. Um, and it just really, really works well. And I found the game incredibly tense throughout i was on edge playing it. i had headphones on and the darkness i think the issues i have with my vision as well sort of really emphasized i was having to really peer into the game to try and sort of like see what was going on so i was really intensely into it and it scared me at times a couple of jump scares here and there not terrifies me i don't get terrified because again i can i can distance myself from these things but it really did draw me in more than many films would or book even um and just yeah it's a an experience a really really you know it's, it's 
it's clunky in places. You know, you have to forgive a couple of bits because it doesn't have the like the millions and millions of dollars budget that some AAA games get and stuff like that. So you have to forgive a couple of bits. But for a game like this, just yeah, all the different elements come together to create an amazing, amazing experience. I'm about two thirds of the way through at the moment. Got a bit more to go. And I've had to take a break to play some other bits while I've had good vision for a couple of days. But, oh, yeah, really, really good. Excellent. So what's interesting about that? I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting anyway, but the most interesting part is the sort of cloud gaming aspect as opposed mm. to, you know, streaming. But I, I suppose it's kind of... So has it got like a small install base on the Switch itself? Just like a... First questions first. Are you playing it off cartridge or are you playing it off, you know, off memory card? No, it's streamed on the car. It's streamed. It is a stream ah, game. So it's a cloud-based streaming it's game. It's so, yeah. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Uh, so I was wondering whether it was a kind of, you know, mix and match approach where it has a lot of the assets local, but streams the rest of them in. But no, because it's fully streamed. Right. Cool. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. what it does, it has got an install, so it treats it as a game. It doesn't treat it as a service. It treats it as a game. Um, so with one of this, I got this as an American code and I, try, I tried it out to play it on a, on a British account and I could do that. Um, so it, it treats it as a game. It's not treating it that only the person on the account who bought it can, can use it because that's, so yeah, it treats it as a like normal Switch game and it's a couple of hundred megabytes, I think, it downloads as a shell. And then you, you kind of need to sign in and you need to wait for it to give you, um, you know, to, to almost boot up in a way as it finds you a, a server plate somewhere that you, you can get onto it. But it's no longer than like most games are to boot up natively. Playing it handheld, I noticed one occasion where it spluttered and like lagged and struggled and broke up the image a bit and stuff like that aside from that i forgot i was playing a cloud game wow well, that's good now i don't notice things like frame drops and things like that i i, I you know i've only ever really in racing games ever noticed the difference between 30 and 60 fps does not bother me one iota um the murky graphics so when i've played like the witcher 3 um, Doom, things like that on a Switch. The lesser graphics do not bother me one iota. Now, that is not to say other people who are sensitive to it won't have that issue. If you are sensitive to these things, I reckon you might find more issues with it. But on a technical level and enjoying the game, can't fault it. Um, being able to play games like this on a system like that uh, that I otherwise wouldn't, yeah, more than happy. Again, what would I like to see from this cross-save? Because I'd like to then play this maybe at its fully best on my PC without having to start it again. But that's by the by. I, I, I'd hope that's something that comes one day. It's just not there yet. Yeah, I, I really... I mean, I won't rehash the thing about the cross-saving because we, we had a big discussion about that a few months back. Yes. But yeah, that it's becoming increasingly necessary when there's, you know streaming is involved without a shadow yes. of a doubt. Absolutely. But yeah, no, I mean, my streaming experiences have been... Well, it's really strange because I, it's kind of... I do it in-house, as it were. Like, I do my mm. own version of it. So I have, like, Steam Link running, which is Steam's, you know, own proprietary software. And that works 
pretty well. The lag is noticeable, but it's not terrible. Um, but I haven't, yeah, and I've streamed in some um, Xbox games as well using, mm-hmm. you know, using Game Pass, and that was pretty successful as well. Generally, um, like you, I don't, I don't really run into problems with buffering or, you know, it just like completely lagging out or crashing or anything like that. But you do kind of have to put up with a almost continuous feeling of of lag, so, which is fine for quite a lot of games. But then <laughs> there's there's the odd one like racing games where it's the difference between yeah. life or death. And um, I, I get the sense that it's been pretty much sort of solved with um, oh god, the name of it's dropped out of my head. The, the big one, the the big Google one that they've stopped. Stadia. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get the sense that it's been fixed pretty much with that, but even so, I don't know. It's it's going to take a lot to get over the laws of physics in that case. Yeah, though no, we'll, we'll talk more about the actual streaming technology. I think again another time because I think it's important. And you know, I've been doing this since on live. I've been I've been intrigued with just the idea of streaming games, and. Um, again just to look at it you know with certain games like a plague tale i think it works perfectly i wouldn't play a twitch heavy style like shmup or a competitive shooter or street fighter or something like that streaming because you lose what what you need for those games but for story driven games i think for most sports games for everything you can adjust for any single most single player games easily um and it's you know it's never going to replace but it's a definite a supplement um that if you can't get to your console for whatever reason because you've got family that are using that tv if you can play it on your phone or a monitor somewhere streamed as an alternative that's what it should be for now the issue i do have with games like a plague tale on switch hitman 3 on switch and control on switch are the, the main ones i know of it's the pricing they're priced as full price titles and I don't think they should be. If your only option is for streaming these games, I don't think they should be full priced. Um, I'm not saying they should be stupidly cheap, but I think you should be looking at two thirds the price of a retail release of those games. Yeah, personally, uh, because you are getting a a slightly cut down experience if you was playing it natively. I done the demo of Hitman and I I I I did struggle with that a little bit. But I think there's so much going on. Control I didn't really enjoyed control. But I didn't want to pay out forty odd quid for that game. I, I think if you someone said to me you can play this game streamed only for twenty five quid all day long. All day long. And then I don't mind if that service goes off in three, four years off, you know, whatever, after the end of the system's done don't really bother me but if i'm paying 40 50 60 quid for it then we've got issues um yeah maybe maybe this is how we look at renting these games now you either subscribe to a service a la game pass or you can rent them the same way you used to rent video games from your local video shop or blockbuster or whatever maybe that's what we do you know three pound fifty for a few days or something or yeah you know one or the other but we can't be charging no full price for these cloud games i agree i think it, it should be more in line with the model that you mentioned where you know when you you're streaming a, a film you know which i 
I don't do all that often. Well, God, that sounds really dumb. Of course, I stream constantly through Netflix and you know Amazon Prime and stuff, but I don't very often rent or buy stuff because I rely on Netflix yeah. and things like that because it's just easier and I go to the cinema all the time as well. But um, yeah, no, I think they need to do that. And so when you go onto its homepage or wherever on, on the front end of your, your front page of your console, it has, you know, stream, uh, you know, rent to stream for like eight ninety nine for, you know, however long, two weeks, a month, or uh, full, you know, not full price, but slightly lower than full price, say like 30 quid, you know, £30.99 to, uh, to quote unquote own it. But yeah, to have the traditional pricing model against something that not only you never own, but you likely never play again. Uh, yeah, doesn't work for me. No, no. Um, uh, but it's it's a new. I mean, the way you've got to look at it is a new technology. So yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna go in like two feet and just go, no, how dare you do this or anything like that. So yes, yeah. Um, and you do have to think about, unlike say, it's a bigger debate. But yeah, you do have to think about the developers because you know if if their publisher is going to be pushing them down that route of having it all streamable you don't want to see all their revenue just evaporate because no. the pricing is is ludicrous so yeah no yeah. i agree. just got to look at the way spotify is handling and the lack of money like uh, artists get from spotify and stuff like that so yeah 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 but anyway anyway that's a whole discussion probably for another podcast uh, any other games from you Stu? well nothing new but just another little bump for uh, Streets of Rage Four. So I've now I'm now onto my third version of it. So I ordered the Signature Edition uh, for the Switch um, back when I you know I had a, a regular Switch, and now I have the only the light. So I play it on handheld on the bus and yeah, occasionally on the sofa. Um, and I had it on Game Pass and got. You know, dead far on that one, and now I've bought it on Steam so that I've got a permanent copy, and I will be buying the DLC uh, as soon as I can. So yeah, I just dip into it every now and again because it's just it's the perfect street brawler game. I think. I think it's. Yeah. I think it's after investing about a year in it. I think it's the best one, and it really pains me to say it because it means that I have to like say that neither Alien versus Predator, which by Capcom from '94, which is my f- personal favourite, or Guardian Heroes, which is absolutely amazing, neither of them are the best anymore, <laughs> and none of the others. Uh, not Final Fight, you know, not any of the classics. This Street Fighter Four is, without doubt, the greatest of those beat 'em ups ever made. If you've been booted out of the retro club, yeah, that's it now. Torn up my uh, <laughs> membership card and all sorts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh well. You, you're, modern, you're a modern gamer, so <laughs> boot boot up the Fifas, boot up the Call of Duties. That's it now. Yeah, but it is lovely that um, every now and again something surfaces that it, you know, it's good enough, but exactly like the old stuff new enough <laughs> and like all these things mushed together to both sort of stand on its own and honor the past and be yeah. the best in its genre you know it very very rarely happens yeah. i think nintendo do it more often than most but um outside of nintendo it's quite rare so it's nice to see i'm willing to get sort of hundred and quartered for this um but the holy trifecta of Tetris 99, Puyo Puyo Tetris, and Tetris Effect. 
are the best Tetrises in the world. Um, they, they, they are. They make it very difficult to go back to NES Tetris, Game Boy Tetris, um, and all those slightly older ones from there. Yeah. I think the, 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 they've taken Tetris, what it is, they've modernised it in the right way, and they, they, yeah, you know, the modern versions are better. Um, yeah. And now I've been booted out of Tetris Club. Yeah, that's you done. Get hung, drawn, and quartered. They they probably like cut you into bits and then drop you down a well so that you fit perfectly symmetrically. Hey, nicely done. It'd be like the end of the world for me. It would. It would. Which leads us nicely into my third game, because if it was the end of the world for me, I could join a club, and it would be called the World's End Club. Nice. Yeah. Well, no, actually, the main the main cast have been something called the Go Getters Club um, within within the game, but the game's called the World's End Club. <laughs> Fair enough. So I don't know you, you you don't play the visual novels, do you? Really? I generally absolutely despise them. <laughs> so uh, basically, World's End Club. It's a new game from the creators of both Danganronpa and the Zero Escape series. So Nine Hours, Nine Doors, whatever it is, and Virtue's Last Reward and Zero Time Dilemma. It's basically from those creative minds and. I didn't realise this when I first played it. Um, I got a code for it and I didn't realise it was um, that that's what it was. And I just went, wow, this is a lot like Danganronpa and Virtue's Last Reward, isn't it? <laughs> and then I done a bit of research and went, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> right. That'll be why. Um, so basically, the, the, the premise is you're, you're part of this club called the Go-Getters Club. And you, 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 take, you play this one character within the club. Um, and... Your start starts off with that you're given like these series of um, tasks that you must complete. But the um, the hook is your task is on a wristband of someone else that's that's trapped with you, um, and only one person can win, and everyone else has to be killed. Um, so you've got to find out your task from someone else, as well as stop people getting your task, stopping others from completing their task while you complete your task. Um, and you kind of it, it presents it in a way that's very much like um, Danganronpa. So a bit like Monokuma, you've got this character who's this over the top zany type thing that's like evil. You can sense the evilness within it. And instead of being pure visual novel, it's kind of got some light platforming and puzzle platforming to it as well. And to be honest, the platforming's very basic. Um, it could have almost done without it, but I get why it's there. The puzzling in these parts is really simple. So it's not going to be a spoiler of any such, but in an early one, you get blah, blah, blah to the end. And to complete your task, you've got to do a certain thing. You've, but to do it, you've got to catch someone and they're running around the level. And it kind of goes in, a, in like, it wraps around. It's almost like in a circle. So they're running, they're running. And conveniently at the start, there's a drawbridge you have to lower. Um, and then sort of like, oh, how are you going to stop them? Because they're faster than you. Well, I got it before I even got the hint was, right, as soon as I cross this drawbridge, I'm going to put it up so he gets stuck. Um, that That's the like the level of the puzzles you've got to deal with in the platforming sections. It's not brain bending. Right. Um, but the game kind of starts off, and it starts off quite small, actually, and then branches off into these other things. So you start off in like this underground facility that you're trapped in. And uh, you think, oh, it's going to be just like Virtue's Last Reward or or Danganronpa, where you're in this one location for hours and you've got to do it. But it gets past that, you escape, and you go out into this kind of outer world, and then it, it kind of 
goes from then on you're on this really long adventure till you eventually find the like the big bad at the end and, and stuff like that now it's it's not as good as Danganronpa or the Zero Escape games, um, especially not Virtue's Last Reward, which is oh, the pinnacle of that trilogy for me. But what it does is it leans into story and characterization so, so well. And that's something both the other aforementioned games do. You really get a sense of... Each of these characters has their own flaws, uh, but they're all likable in their own way. And, you know, it just works. And the story is enough to keep you hooked. So you, you kind of forget the the average gameplay parts of it and just get drawn in by this story and the decisions you have to make. Um, there's, like, ugh, there's moments of entrapment. There's deceit. It's, you know, it's like playing a, a really game of Cluedo to like extreme levels. And yeah, I, I don't want to see, I'll try not to go too far into what it is because anyone who's interested in those sort of games will need to play it. But I, you, I don't want to ruin it for anyone because story is so important. Uh, but yeah, just World End Club. I'm, what came to me out of nowhere. Absolutely adore it. And yeah, I'm glad I got to play it. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, it's it's one of those funny ones. It's like, you know, the, the, we don't really have the the debate anymore of oh, is it is it a game? You know, it's kind of like it's a broad church and everybody everybody's welcome sort of thing, which is good. But it's they've never really appealed to me, and I, I've had a blooming good go at them, you know, to try and convert myself, uh, and it yeah. didn't work. So yeah, we we'll sort of hold them in high regard, uh, but they're just not quite for me. Yeah, no, there's plenty of these types of games that I can't play. Um, I, I just get so bored uh, because it is, I might as well be reading a book. Um, so, you know, I'm actually like that with a lot of the walking simulator type games, which tell wonderful stories, but they just lose me. Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas the interaction in Dangame Romper, it's, it's a mystery. Um, it's more like, they, these are more like choose your own adventure books. Um, with you know but they've added levels of um, like intrigue and stuff like that it's the same with the ace attorney games uh, are clearly visual novels but there's enough there that you don't think you're playing a visual novel and i think dangan romper and zero escape do that and world's end club does that just enough too um and it doesn't there's no sections where you're like oh can we just do something gameplay wise now it doesn't drag on too long at any one point. So it's balanced well, which unfortunately the gameplay sections are are middling. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Does sound like a very good version of, of that kind of style. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's essentially a choose-your-own-adventure. And yeah, I can't... What was really great in... No, I'm sorry, I'll just point out this one early bit. It's like it's in the intro. So it's presented this anime style... Uh, but then for some reason, it goes to this, um, even though you're in this anime world style type thing, it goes to this cut scene that's meant to be like a movie. You don't realise it, but it goes to this, you know the, um, the old PS2 cut scene graphics? Yeah. Like the very smooth skin, like still doesn't look like realistic enough, but the very smooth skin type looking things going on. That PS2 to PS3 era. Yeah kind of it kind of cuts to something like that so it's kind of like brown and everything's like try to be shaded correctly and i'm like what 
I don't know what's going on. And then cuts back to like this um, anime style after about three, four minutes. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, it's like, did, did, did that just happen? Yeah. Uh, why? But it's never brought up again. <laughs> just like, I don't... Uh, I like it. Was it meant to be? Was that what they was trying to do originally? And that's what it was going to be? And they thought they'd emerge? I don't know. I just went, what? I might have to watch that on YouTube. Yeah. It's, it's, what's, if you can find the first half hour of the game, it's worth watching. But yeah, it's a really good game. Really, really good. Glad Again, another one I got, I'm glad I got to experience. Cool. Yeah, nice one. <laughs> So, talking about the end of the world, going to point out, if you lose a football game, it's not the end of the world. We can accept that, can't we, Stu? Well, you and I definitely can, yeah. So, just to, just, just to point this out before I go any further, I am a football fan. I'm a Liverpool fan, um, and I get and I completely understand that when you lose a game of football, especially a big game of football, it's okay to be pissed off annoyed upset whatever for a little while after the game's done but that does never excuse some of the actions that were seen after england lost to italy in euro 2020 um which is weird saying that because it took place in 2021 but they spent money on the uh on the branding on the <laughs> yeah. branding and everything yeah um and uefa aren't ones to sort of waste money so you know um <laughs> so but yeah as soon as Bakari Saka stood up to take that penalty, I'm not. I don't really care for England international football on, on the whole. I enjoy tournaments, but I don't really care for international. But as soon as he stood up to take that penalty, I just went, "Don't let a kid take such an important penalty." Right. Do not let a kid do that, especially Gareth Southgate as manager who's been through what happens if you miss a penalty don't put a kid in that situation even if he stepped up and went no coach i'm i'm good to take it i want to take it. don't 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 ever do that he's a child at 19 he may well be legally an adult he is still a child in the grand scheme of things and that's before you even get to the the obvious thing of him being black as soon as he missed it my first thoughts were he's going to get abuse for missing a penalty, as any player does these days. But he's also going to get a ton of racial abuse. And I just, it, it, it makes me despair. I, I, I felt depressed for a couple of days after this. Um, again, not because England lost. That, you know, I, don't, I didn't really care. I enjoyed it as a neutral, that game. But because... <laughs> People were racially abusing him, Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho, just because they're black. Um, go back home. You're not welcome in this country. All, all kind of things like that. And it really, I, I kind of sat there and just went, all the progress we've been making, undone in an instant. Undone. And then you saw there was a mural of Marcus Rashford in Manchester that was defaced with, with racism. And... That was depressing to see. You and you saw Tory MPs, one of them attacking Marcus Rashford, saying that if he concentrated more on his football rather than getting into politics, he might not have missed and stuff like that. And it was just like I, I don't, I didn't know what to say. But then 
my depression was lifted. My, you know, I thought, oh, Christ, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with this badly and seeing it, I can't imagine what it is for them. And then I saw the, the positives of this. The Marcus Rashford mural, locals covering up the hate speech with messages of positivity and, and love. People drowning out the abuse of Bakari Saka and Sancho on their social media. And then these players themselves calling out politicians for their hypocrisy. And not just sitting back and just going, no, we, we won't say anything. And, you know, Tyrone means absolutely tearing Pretty Patel a new one for her utter hypocrisy at saying how disgusting the racism was when she said, uh, you know, gave them crap for taking the knee and things like that. So it's been an emotional roller coaster for me in terms of seeing the reaction to it. Um, you know, that's even without going into the England fans who started violently attacking Italians and people of colour or Asian descent outside the ground, you know. But it's it's been such an emotional roller coaster. But my lasting feeling is, I think we've got some hope out of this in a in a moral way. Not not the footballing sense that this England team are great and and they go in places. But you look at the moral stance of it. I got hope out of this, which is really bizarre to say, knowing that there was such a racist backlash. What, 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 what do you think of the last few days? So, yeah, I kind of agree with what you said. I think there's a lot of hope in there. What sort of really strikes me is if you get a real sense from your politicians that they're, they've got something invested in a particular feeling, a particular emotion... Um, a particular in a negative way, then they're the ones who are doing the gesture politics. They're the ones who are. Yeah. They're not really politicians anymore. They're just a group of entitled people at the top who have more power than they should. And it really, it really struck me that that's. I mean, I'd already thought that, but it, I mean, it really came home to me because they they really put themselves out there, the Tories, with this. You know, they yeah. really, really did. And it's one of those things where, you know, in the past, like, the Tory party just wouldn't do that. I mean, it pains me to say anything po- positive about the Tories, but they just wouldn't do that. You know, that's not to- the Tory party way. They'd be like, what, they're earning? They're, they're making money for us? They're brilliant. Do you know what I mean? It would just be like, they're the kind of capitalist ideal. They they come from, these these kids come from nothing or very little. They work really hard and they make a lot of money and they promote, you know, the UK, well, specifically England in this case. That's yeah. every Tory ideal wrapped into one. Um, and they have wrapper around that that I don't like. But, you know, the, 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 the Tory ideals, as it were, are just, you know, not aligned with me, but they are not necessarily all bad or, you know, definitely not all evil. But everything that this particular incumbent government is doing is all evil, you know? It sounds like an exaggeration, but it really isn't because they've, they're very, they're a group of very talentless people. They are, uh, a lot of them will be, have sociopathic tendencies uh, they only they only care about money and power and their own furtherment, and they manipulated the Brexit uh, whole you know situation so that they could further their own personal agendas, and 
it just it benefits them to keep playing the old tunes it's like trump you know it's like keep going out there keep playing the old songs get everyone behind you and their song is you know xenophobia everybody but us is bad you know everyone but us is wrong you're either you're either in with us doing the thing that we want you to do or you're completely you know alien and you're you're wrong and it's not like I mean, it's a typical kind of right-wing thing. It's like racism is just easy. It's just an easy peg to hang your coat on. Um, yeah. But it's it's to me, it comes across more of a xenophobic ideal of, you know, we were at our best when we were at Empire. When you're in Empire, you're gaining money and power from everybody around you you've conquered. We don't conquer anyone, and we have we're we're only a minor country now. Therefore, we'll we'll withdraw into ourselves, and we'll play act like everything's like it used to be and that means by resenting and hating everyone outside of us and i think that there's there's a very powerful core um that are doing that and they are you know the government unfortunately and i think that it appeals to a a minority group of people and unfortunately you know it only takes the marcus rashford mural thing is a great one to to use as the comparison because it takes one person to deface that and it looks like that's the face of english you know uh, nastiness racism violence aggression ignorance but a whole community came around and put beautiful things on top of it and it's like so you've got to put it in proportion so there are horrible people out there there always were and always will be but I, th- I genuinely believe the majority of people are nice and that they are good people and that they, they are not racist or xenophobic. And to be represented at a higher level by this government is disgusting to me because it's not the truth. So yes, there is good to pull out of it and it is things like people rallying around and, and making that mural beautiful again. Yeah, and it, it, it does fill me with hope. I say my initial film was just... Ugh. I don't know where we're going, but I honestly think, and I've said to a couple of people, I think we'll look at Monday the 12th of July as a red letter day, uh, because that's the day that heroes, uh, and footballers rightly or wrongly are seen as heroes by so, so many, especially young people. Heroes stood up and went, no, no more, no more whatsoever. Yeah. We are fighting back. We are not going to be silent anymore. Um, we're not just going to sort of like hide. The best example I saw was um, a Daily Mail commenter. I can't remember who it was called. I'm not going to dignify his name because I don't know what it is. Saying that we, you know, we've we got to stop with the knee. We've got to find something that can be agreed upon. Um, and then just there was a backlash to that. People going, if the knee's making you feel uncomfortable, then it's working. Yes. So no... We don't need to find a gesture that makes racists comfortable. And yeah, keep, yeah, I was a big one of is the taking the knee actually working? Do we want to? Do we need to see it continually at the start of a, a game? Not because I don't agree with it, just because I don't I didn't know if it was working or not. Sure, but but it's working. It's slow, and it's working. Do not stop. Yeah, continue taking the knee. If it, he does it, if it is just gestures from some, doesn't matter. You are supporting those who it really matters to. Yeah. And if honestly, if you're a racist and you're in sport and you don't want to support it, don't. So we know who the f- 
are. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, there, there's something in me now that looks at it and goes, a better world is being created for my kids. Um, it is being created. We we might not be seeing it fully at the moment, but it's like we was taken completely unawares by what led to Brexit uh, and things like that. We were taken completely unawares. It came out of Trumpism, came out of nowhere in the end. You, if people remember in 2015, 2014, and like, he was laughed at the idea of him running for presidency. It was mocked because it came out of nowhere. Um, but it empowered the wrong people. I think we are starting to see the empowerment of the right side, not the right, the the, the correct side, yeah. the left. The, you might, I don't want to say left or anything like that, but um, but you know the good in people starting to come out, and we're starting to see it. You've had sports stars have completely fallen on their sword before to make this happen. Colin Kaepernick, you know, he he destroyed his own career to make this happen, um, and we're seeing now the fruits of that with modern footballers, with Marcus Rashford. I, I, I put He put out a tweet apologising for letting the country down. Um, and he got lots of support of that guy. You haven't, you haven't. And I, I, I put a reply to that or a retweet on that, basically saying along the lines of, you know, you've done anything but let the country down. You are, you know, whether it's you know, mainly off the pitch. Um, and this is coming as a Liverpool fan, blah, blah, blah. I would happily chant your name at Anfield. Um, I... I that is the one thing I'd love to see Marcus Rashford, a Manchester United player, next time he's at Anfield, get his name chanted, show that solidarity that we know football's football. Boo him if he dives, boo him if he scores a goal or whatever, because you do that. But when he steps onto that pitch, chant his name because the politicians, those in power, the, the racists, the xenophobes, everything, they're scared of him. They are scared of him. They are scared of, of other footballers who are starting to speak their mind. And for me, someone who... You're often told when it's... Um, to bring this more to a personal thing. You're always told, don't worry about the big things. You can't control that. But they're often the ones that hit you the most. You sort of look at it and go, well, what's the point? What's the point? And that can send you into a spiral. But on the flip side, when you see things like this, that gives you hope. That gives you a reason for wanting to to push forward and see what comes next. So, yeah, I you know, as as horrible as it was seeing the initial reaction, what followed straight on from that is just it's it's filled me with joy in a way. Yeah. I don't want to say racism. I mean don't take the sound bite of racism's filled me with joy, but essentially <laughs> that's what's happened. Well, it's great to see the pushback and it it does yeah. prove that most people are both decent and that they've had enough of this and I think that like it, it brings me back to something that Stephen King said is like he he and he writes his book around this his books around this in that he says like all evil is kind of it but it's very it's it might be flare up strong but it's actually very weak and very doesn't last very long you know in the long in this in the yeah. longer term in the scheme of stuff and standing up to it is the thing that it snuffs it out and very quickly and I think that you know I think that's really started to happen because I think particularly with like Windrush and I mean the Windrush thing I think didn't hit as many people uh, in the fields as it should have but it did quite a few people yeah but I think Grenfell really did I think that everybody could relate to that 
you know, to what happened yeah. and the government getting away with it. And it just, it firms up the people who don't already support the government, don't support this brand of Tory. It firms up their belief in something else. And to me, when, like, I don't follow club football, so I didn't know any of these guys till I started watching, you know, the the, the Euros. Um well, I knew Marcus Rashford because of you know all of his good, all of his good philanthropic work. But the other guys I yeah. didn't know. And then when you start hearing about them and what they do and how they present themselves and how they've, you know, that they they're using their position to do good, and you're just like, that's amazing, you know. And it was all like positive before all the horrible stuff at the end. And I'm really hoping that that people in the wider world, in the rest of Europe, see that as well that they don't just see the horrible stuff that happened because it did happen and it shouldn't be brushed under the carpet. It should be tackled. But I hope they also see, you know, taking the knee, being respectful to other players, you know, the stuff that they do in their in their free time, their charity work, their intelligence, you know, and their, the way they yeah. pay back to their community and the fact that, you know, many of these guys are black and because they're black, that makes it, even more hard for them and why you can't ever say I don't see colour because that's stupid because it could, you you have to bring into account people's personal experience and that includes their colour because that, that affects how they're treated and it was all positive from that and on, on a purely football level at the end of it when we lost I was like ah well played you know you were great I'm sad but you know absolutely brilliant you know beaten by the better team it felt nothing like other major defeats of the past it was like yeah no that's great we did the best that we could and the better team won and it was done by a team that I can be genuinely genuinely proud of so all of that part of it was great and very very hopeful that foul by Kia Lady though yeah, I know. I was crazy. I was like, that, that started a debate. It was like, whoa! I saw a really um, good debate about that that said um, yellow card should mean sin bin straight away. And I agree with that. I think it'd be a really good idea. So I'd like to see a lot of the football rules need modernising. Um, yes, that, that, yes. That, that's for certain. Um, but there's too many traditionalists, unfortunately. But that, we're, we're not a sports channel so we're not going to talk too much about that uh, but yeah this England team's the most likeable and England team I think I've ever ever known um the egos aren't there or they've got egos in the right way shall yeah we say. yeah they're not um, egotistical but they you have a strong ego yeah yeah exactly and so you know I I'm all all for them um I say I, I I'm a club football person you know Liverpool 100% first I'd like to see Liverpool players do well at international football if it depends who they mostly play for. So I was happy for Jordan Henderson if England had won it, but aside from that, I didn't really mind who won it. But I, I just enjoyed the tournament and I wish we could all see more people do just just do that. Um but yeah, I think you said as well there is absolutely spot on. Um and I, I do hope the rest of the world does start to see that we're not just English are all the same we are different there are some of us who would you know rather sort of like be the showing the good side of what humanity is in this country because there are some brilliant bits about this country unfortunately overshadowed by the worst bits um the one thing actually i want to 
just finish on, I wasn't going to mention this, but you, you mentioned about the um, the idea that we need to do away with the cold seat of not seeing colour. Um, I never used to believe that. I, I used to believe the idea of not seeing colour is how it should be. But you're, you're 100% right. Um, my mind was changed recently um, when... I, I heard someone talking about it. Honestly, I can't remember a name. And they said, we need to celebrate what makes us different, um, not hide it. We can't have everyone be the same. That's just not possible. And I used to be, I was proud, like, because Lucas, whenever he had a friend, he, you know, there's a friend, he was of Asian descent, and he, he never described him as Asian. He would always describe him by other other physical attributes he was like a tall kid or a short kid he was um, whatever 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 um and i was like oh lucas doesn't see color and i was like and yeah wait no it's not that he doesn't see color what he doesn't see is color as the pre uh, the, the the main factor of this person yeah uh, that therein lies the difference and it's something i'm starting to learn is what what can be considered as not seeing colour as in I don't describe it as the black kid or, or things like that. That's not, not you know, that's not not seeing colour. That's just, you're not seeing that as the main thing. And that's what I like because you have got to understand that black culture, black biology is different and we need to understand that and we need to sort of get behind that and accept it and celebrate it same as all the different sexualities genders things like that as well celebrate it i agree i mean when we say celebrate it i don't mean that every time you see a black person go and cheer and jump around them and celebrate you know that's just taking it too far but just appreciate that that's who they are totally so but yeah yeah um but yeah, really weird. A lot of positives out of what could have been one of the worst weeks in the last couple of years, which would have been saying something um, after <laughs> yeah. what the last couple of years has been. But yeah, lots of positivity out of it. So I'm, I'm kind of glad, almost glad it happened. Yeah, well, I, I, I think, yeah, I, some, some aspects of it. I think we need to be seriously, seriously punished by all the governing bodies. I, I yes. welcome getting absolutely caned and not Harry caned, absolutely caned for what we did, and we totally deserve that. So we deserve all the punishments, any bans, anything that, that that UEFA and the rest of the governing bodies can come up with. We totally deserve that, and it doesn't matter that it was only a small proportion, because you know it has a disproportionate effect. So we deserve all of that, and I hope that it teaches the right lesson to you know the rest of the populace that that the violent voices get so crowded out and so minimised that they they basically cease to exist. Yeah. Yep, yeah, 100%. Um, apologies to listeners for going on the politics side of it, but it did have a big effect on us this week. So unfortunately, it wasn't really any, any other major theme that could have been spoken about without it coming back round to this. But if you've got any thoughts on it, whether you think we're wrong or you agree, or you want to expand on anything, do get in touch on Twitter, or you can email us, podcast at mentalhealthgaming.com. Um, yep. But I'm now going to pass over to Stu to do his outro bit, and sell a V. <laughs> oh God, they're going to appear, aren't they? <laughs> no. And there's no TV cameras, you're okay. Thank God for that. So yeah, no, no, I agree. I agree with every, everything that you said, and we welcome feedback, welcome to be told, you know, where, where we're going wrong with stuff. Um, I it drifted obviously away from mental health specifically 
but I think that talking about something that affects the nation's psyche like that is also impacts your mental health. And I think a lot of the people who perpetrate the violence uh, have mental health issues, um, you know, obviously, and that's not stigmatise people with mental health issues or to say that you have to have mental health issues to be in this situation, because that's not true. But there will be, a, you know, a proportion that are, and that's how it's been, you know, how it's been weaponized really, by people. So yeah. there's a thing there that if you really, and we really would welcome feedback on that and yeah, we're not perfect. Tell us if we're going wrong. But other than that, what? We, yeah, we're perfect. We don't get anything <laughs> wrong. We know everything. <laughs> no. So, yeah, no, God, no. But I hope that we obviously both hope that you're enjoying the content. Please like, share and subscribe in all the relevant places. Pay on Patreon if you can afford it and feel moved to or pay one off on coffee. And in the meantime, until next time, stay safe and stay sane.